Hey everybody, welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. Cousin. Hey, Cuz. How you doing? Horrible, and I'm good. Clink, clink. Clink, clink, clink with our pimp cups. Uh, yes. Oh, We're going to show you guys pictures on our social media of these pimp cups. These They're pimp divine. Cups. You're not going to believe They're it. They're gorgeous. All right, so we have a great guest coming up today, Mark Lamont Hill, who Fabulous. we both love and yes. know very well. We've known for a long time. He has yes. a new show over at BET called Black Coffee. Super exciting. Fantastic. Yes. So let's wind it down. Yes, What's going ma'am. on with you? Girls, so I moved again. Oh, Joanne. I know. And and you know what? And, and Bigger talked, and better. Bigger, well, bigger, um, bigger, <laughs> not better yet because... You hate moving. I hate moving. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. So this is, I'm not living in Brooklyn anymore, which is also traumatizing. You're in Harlem. I'm in Harlem. I love Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn girl. Um, living in Harlem is good because I can get to work really quickly. It's very convenient. It's nice walk, being in Manhattan. Right? It is nice being on yeah. the island because you can get to things faster. There's lots of stuff to eat, lots of stuff to do. Yeah, I had to the leave Schomburg is near. It's like everything is close. Yeah. So it's fabulous to be on the island, but the move itself is I hate it. Yeah. So yeah. we did. Wait, wait, but you had somebody pack you? We had Magic Mike. <laughs> so I want to big up Magic Mike. Magic Mike is an amazing mover. You know there's a movie about male strippers called Magic Mike. I know. And you know what? I didn't think about asking him to take a little thing off and yeah, make, it, yeah, make yeah. it a little exciting for the people. <laughs> he really could get more clients He that could way. get more clients that way. At the way. end of the move, you do a little I'm dance. Just take the bow, 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 No, Magic Mike did not do that. <laughs> but he did move us. And so Magic Mike is great because he comes with his two compatriots. They pack it all up. They wrap it up. They tape it up. And they move it. The challenge is they don't unpack it. Ah. So now we're in the new place, and just it's an explosion of boxes. Everywhere. Everywhere. And okay. each box is in the right rooms. We've labeled. We've done everything we can do, but now the place so is So why, like, why aren't people unpacking? Well, everyone's unpacking. So we made all the kids do their own thing. Everybody got their stuff in their room. They're unpacking. But the I can't leave town. I'm leaving town tomorrow. I'm traveling right. because I'm going to the fish fry in South Carolina. Oh, my God. The Jim, the Jim Clyburn fish fry. We're going to be doing the show from South Carolina tomorrow uh, Saturday. Um but I didn't want to leave town unless the place was organized and put together. You know, I'm a little OCD, so I like a everything little. to be <laughs> I like everything to be together. <laughs> and it's not. And so I just it's depressing to me that the place is still a mess. Boxes, yeah. boxes, boxes. I just hate it. It's just a bit depressing. You know what you should do? What's that? You should hire uh, an organizer or a task rabbit person to come in and unpack you and organize I everything. I thought about that. And as a matter of fact, your dog walker, my daughter, did suggest that. It, that maybe because I was getting so just frazzled. That might be the way to do it. Right? Because the cable guy was late today. So cable's just going in. I had to leave my other phone home so that the little people could have wi- you know, Wi-Fi because you know they can't survive without Wi-Fi. I, know. I haven't had my AC units put in because, you know, in New York, you got to have AC units yes. put in. Yes, you the Last tenant took them, so I had to put my own. That nobody leaves them because you know you yeah. bought it. So it's just it's a mess. Oh god, it's a mess, and I'm de- it's miserable. But I'm just believing on God how that long, it's going to work how out. How long since the move? How many days? It's have been you three been days in? because what we uh, did was well, that's not long. No, because you know we're subletting our other place. Right. So we so this is the difference between me and regular landlords, right? Jason and I went all out to make sure that our subletter was comfortable, that the place was beautifully clean, that we had a person come in and clean it, that it's fabulous, that it's set up. It's yeah. beautiful. It's like a gorgeous Airbnb. Our landlord, they're like, you can go ahead and move in whenever you're ready. <laughs> oh, no, that window don't work? That window broken? All right, we come get it oh, later. It's so it's so just derelict. Like I listen, I have a list of things that never got fixed from it's my crazy. last place. I made a whole list of things from windows not opening to... Okay, for smoke um, sprinklers not yes. working, all kinds of things. Oh, I Never took pictures of, of grime and pictures, dirt yeah. that was still there and sent it to them and said, this was not done. How yeah. is it not? This is not habitable. Yeah. How is this not clean? Not so, habitable. you know, I had to put rubber gloves on up to my elbows and be clean. I'm like, why am I cleaning right now? Oh, my God, because you're OCD. It's crazy. It's like, leave the place beautifully clean. I did it for our sublet. Why can't y'all do it? <laughs> 
New York landlords are the worst. They're the worst. So you're in a new place. But we're in a new place so that, you know, all the people who can't afford to move out can now live there. Damn millennials! Um, you yeah. need to get a professional organizer. I think to that's going to happen. And unpack because you've yes. got too much going on as too you much. gear up for this book. When does the book come out? So the book comes out. Oh, I'm so excited! Next Tuesday, so the 25th of June is the actual launch of the book. All that um, work. All that work is going to pay off, but it's going to be crazy because I have a book tour coming up. Um, we're going to be doing lots and lots of stops, um, and it's going to be all over the country. So just stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. The book drops June 25th. If you're going to buy the book, and I'm not pressuring you to do it, read this, read that, audience. <laughs> but if you're going to buy Buy it the first week because that's when the New York Times bestseller list tracks it. Yeah. So you got to buy the if you're gonna get it, get it in the first week or get it now. Uh, get it now. Get it now. Get it now. Sale. All right. <laughs> Do it. Do it. It's a great gift. It's a. It, the book is called uh, "The Man Who Sold America." Uh, it's about Donald Trump, but it's about kind of what we do when he's gone and yeah. like what we'll be as a country when he's gone, how we ended up here in this mess yeah. debacle, and what can we do afterwards, and can we still be the country we want to be. Very timely. Very timely. And I know it's going to be great. Yeah, so you wind it down for me now, cousin. What's going on with you? Hair, hair, hair. I'm just trying to... A new hair saga. I have made a decision. Okay. My hair is still giving me drama. Okay. I don't know if Your hair looks great, by the way. Can I just say? But let me tell you, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know how your hair is not right. And it just frustrates me. People are like, oh, your hair's still thick. And I'm like, but it's not what it used to be. It's coming out. It's just not great. Yeah. I'm saying it's the relaxer. And you have had drama with your hair. I have it's over a the saga. years. It's yeah. always something. So yeah. I don't know if it's if it's relaxer. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's wear and tear. I just switched my shampoo. Yeah. Um, and that made a tremendous But you difference. also do something that I don't know anyone else in this business. What? I know maybe two people in this business who use their natural hair on yeah. air. Yeah. I but, don't know anybody who does it. But what I do with my natural hair is, because my hair is short and right. I have a bang, I clip in a bang. You put a clip, right. So I don't put heat in my hair every day. Right. I, I you know, I curl the, uh, bevel the, the clip. Right. Pop it in. Yep. And then I just smooth my hair around it. Right. So that I'm not putting it, heat in my yeah. hair every day. But even with that, it's just, I don't it's too know, much. I'm not happy with and it. And the environment in New York isn't great for your hair. Everything's not great for your hair these days, except for going natural. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go natural. I found a woman who makes wigs. Yes. And I'm my wig maker. Yes, your wig maker. Yes. I'm going to get a summer wig. Okay. A couple of wigs, probably. Yeah. And I'm going to let my hair grow out from the relaxer. Underneath. Okay. Well, well, you know, I I'm only going to do this on air. Okay. Off air, I'm going to take the wig off and just, just kind of wear figure your hair. out my neck, my regular hair. Now At he, least I think that's what I'm going to do. And we'll we see. talked about this a little bit before about yeah. braid versus no braid. Are you going to cornrow? Because I know this, this Giselle, who is the my wig maker, who's yeah. now going to be your wig maker. She braid a hair now. She I will do a like beautiful braiding braid. Braiding is damaging because so many people do it so tight. She doesn't though. Hmm. She braids. Who did your Who braided your hair when you were complaining about headaches? That was Bruce. Don't go to Bruce. Now, listen, if Bruce is listening to this this uh, podcast, love Bruce, you, Bruce. we love you, girl. And she's Bruce is a braider in Harlem. She's fabulous, wonderful African sister. And love her, but when she braided my hair, I was surprised every day. Well, Bruce needs to hear this. You need yeah. to not make the braids so tight, Bruce. No, but your eyebrows are up and top on the top of your you head. You don't win no prize for and the you can't sleep. Braids. You can't even think. It's too much. And it's a migraine daily. I think I had a migraine for two weeks off of Bruce braiding my it's hair. It's like putting butter on a burn. Stop doing butter that crazy on a stuff. Burn. It's just old fashioned. It's crazy. painful. Who does that? And then when you get the little carbuncles, the little bumps come up off your head because it's so tight. Ugh. Oh, Bruce braided my hair, and then I got a weave on top of it. Ooh. So it's a braid and then they were sewing in it was like oh my uh, god uh, it was so stop, painful stop. i thought i was gonna die I can't, I can't. so yeah bruce love you girl but mm-mm, no never goodbye. again yeah so i won't be going to bruce don't go to bruce I, I i'm thinking i'm gonna wear a wig
wig cap, but this is a learning experience. Right. Because you don't want your hair to break under the wig. Right. Right. You don't want your hair just touching. And- I feel like if I keep it very moisturized, okay. leave, put a leave-in conditioner in yeah. it and just keep it really moisturized, mm-hmm. that it won't do that. You do you, are I mean? you worried that if your hair is moist, though, that you know it can get a little bit like mold, tangled. tangled and just like it's it's like it needs to be dry when I'll you just, put that wig on. Because otherwise, the heat from the wig, the wig is going to warm your head. You don't want it to get like tangled. But I'm and not going to wear it that long. I'm just going to wear for it on for air. the show. So you're going to put it on the sh- for the show and take it right and off. And take it off. That's and smart. that way I feel like I can just wash out the conditioner right. and just keep it moving. I don't have okay. to blow it dry or do anything. I just wash it out and let it air dry. Okay. Yeah. Experiment my, with see it. See what my boyfriend thinks about and, <laughs> See what your boyfriend thinks. And not only What's that. What's she going to look like today? Right. And then once you grow your hair out, and we were talking about this before too, if you're Afro, if you're Afrolistic, yeah. if your hair starts to expand in this humidity here in New York, yeah. your wig will start to rise. Well, see, yeah, I don't. But and then see, it'll that, rise off that, the head. But I'm thinking if I wet it and put conditioning in it, then yeah. it won't do that. I'm worried about you with wet hair under a wig. I'm sorry, but that doesn't sound healthy It's to not going to be dripping wet. Right. I'm Just moist. dry it. It's going to be moist. Okay. And you know how when you put conditioner in it, you sit yeah. under like a heat cap or something? Yes, it'll absolutely. Like that. And no wig cap? I'll put a, maybe. It maybe a cap. It if it'll show. I think, it, yeah. As long as I like can tuck it, keep it back. I think yeah. you should try it. I mean, I did I this know. about a year ago going to natural hair, growing out my relaxer, finally yeah. grew it all the way out, and braid my hair under. And the same woman, Giselle, makes me wigs. She makes a wig and an alternate wig. Mm. So she can switch them out. Yeah. And so sometimes it's a little longer, sometimes it's a little shorter. It's been a revelation. It's changed my life. Like, really? I, yeah, I can work out. I can, you know, I don't have to worry about the the weave. Because, you know, when you have the weave, you have, it's like you're sweating under a weave. And I feel like that was damaging my hair more. And trying to wash it is hard because that weave is sewn in. See, but I'm not going to, yeah, that's why I don't want the weave. Because I can go work out. I can go to hot yoga. And I can just have my hair. You in that hot yoga sweating it out, girl. Oh, so good. I've been going. But my hair, let me tell you, is all over the place. Your hair is going to be straight Kenya by the time it's done. Because it really will take all. But, I mean, I think this is a good decision. And I was, I am so happy with not relaxing my hair anymore. It's I really think, changed I think my I'm life. Because it thins your I'm hair ready. over time. It's damaging. It, it hurts your scalp. It's just not good. I just don't know what the coil is going to be. I don't know what kind of curl right. I'm going to have. When is the last time you've seen your natural hair? Oh, my God. I was a child. See? Because my mother, God, I love you, Mother Reed. Put relaxers in my hair way too soon. <laughs> way Six, too seven soon. years old. You're already straight. I know. <laughs> I don't know. So we'll see. You, yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's going to be great. We'll We're going to assume it's going to be fabulous. And everyone can, you know, any tips that you have for Miss Jackie Reed or any comments. Please. But say. only nice comments. Only nice don't ones. Be, don't play. <laughs> don't be playing. <laughs> what are we don't. drinking this morning for our wind down? Let's talk about this wine. I don't know what this is. Indigena? Indigena? Indigena. Indigena. It's a rosé. Yeah. It's delicious. It's from our friend Moselle, the wine god. Uh, He wants you to know that if you go to winesbymoselle.com and use the promo code READ, you'll get 15% off your three-month subscription. It's not that you're not just getting wine. Yes. You're getting a wine sermon. Yes. That matches your, it tells you what foods to eat it with and complements, you know, what your palate is. So it's a really good thing to get. And it's personalized. And by the way, you get a discount because if you put in the REID, make sure you spell it right, you get 15% off three-month subscription. And what's better than wine delivered to your door? I know. That's Happy. personalized to you. We love it. Thanks, Moselle. All right. All right. So then we do our guests. No, we, okay. And then oh. let's do our clothes. Let's do our, oh, and you want to do the um the ad copy? You want to do that last? Do it last. Okay. okay. Let's okay. do the clothes. Okay. 
All right, everybody, thanks for listening to Read This, Read That. You can catch Cousin Joanne on MSNBC this weekend at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on AM Joy. Yes, yeah, so you can catch me in South Carolina. I'll be there Saturday. If you see our fish set, fry. we're going to be at the fish fry. Let those fish live. Yeah, we go- Listen, <laughs> they only live to be fried. Let them live. Let them swim. Their purpose is to be batted up and fried. No, it's not. It's cruelty, but go they on. They love it. You'll they love it. Who's having the fish fry? Uh, it's going to be... Um, uh, <laughs> Jim Clyburn's famous fish fry. So Congressman Jim Clyburn, who's the most, you know, sort of big time and, and powerful uh, black congressman in South Carolina, he throws a fish fry every year. It's it's aligned with the South Carolina Democratic Convention. We're going to go down all the candidates or anybody who are going to be there. Joe Biden, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Judge, all of them are going to be there. Uh, Kamala Harris. So we will be doing the show live from there. We'll be listening to the speeches live. We'll be talking to a fantastic panel of people. Um, it's going to be great. And we're going to be also interviewing a lot of the candidates, Kamala Harris. The others are going to be on the show as well. Nice. So it should be a really great show. And then on Sunday, mm. we are going to talk race. On M- We're going to do a full hour and just talk about all of these racial, really? the things we're talking about with Mark Lamont Hill, just all of the stuff that's roiling the Democratic and Republican parties that black folk are front and center right now in the conversation from the reparations hearing that we had this week yes. to Biden's problems. We're going to get into it on oh, Sunday. Very timely. Yes. Very necessary. Absolutely. And you I can love ap- that. Absolutely. And we can, of course, catch Miss Jackie Reed Boop-a! on the Tom Joyner Morning Show oh, Tuesdays oh, oh. and Fridays at 8.15 a.m. for Inside Her Story. You can also catch her on New York Live <laughs> in the New York area Monday through Friday at 11.30 a.m. The Hub today, if you happen to be in Boston, at 12.30 p.m. daily. And, of course, of course, you must catch Jackie on the Serious Progress Show, which is called inside her story as well. And that is Saturdays at 2 p.m., Sundays at 9 a.m. All those times are Eastern Standard Time. Do not miss it. And my guest this weekend on Inside Her Story on Serious Progress is Karine Jean-Pierre. Yay! And she's my guest for the entire hour, so you'll get to hear kind of a preview to her upcoming book. Fabulous. Uh, her, it's kind of a memoir. Yes. Um, but also some politics mixed in. You know, she's Haitian-American. Mm-hmm. She talks about her parents. Yeah. She talks about her siblings. She talks about her new adopted baby. Yes. She talks about so many amazing things, how she got into politics, what kind of little girl she was growing up in New York City. It really is an interesting interview, so you don't want to it. It's on Sirius XM Pro- Progress, Saturday at 2 p.m. and Sunday at 9, 9 a.m. That's exciting. And KJP, as we call her, Queen yeah, Jean-Pierre, is a her. dynamic woman. She worked for Obama, obviously. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant um, strategist, uh, yeah, Democratic strategist. Yeah, Yes. Yeah, she's amazing. Fabulous. And we talk about that moment on stage with Ka- uh, Kamala Harris. Ah. Uh, right? You know, we've been calling her Okoye. So yeah. our, my new name for her is Okoye. Yeah. She is from Wakanda because she jumped up and protected Kamala Harris Let like she was you. a Wakanda warrior. She takes us through In a cute little pink dress and heels. I know. She takes us moment by moment what was going through her head and how she had to take time to process it before she spoke out about it. Yeah. And we really break down just the entire thing of what her parents had to say. Oh, my God. About that moment. They tried to keep it from her mother. Oh. For a short time. Her mother found out from Uh, going to the bank. People were like, did you see your daughter? And her mother found out. But what her mother said in response to it once she saw the video will blow your mind. Oh, I cannot wait to hear this interview. I'm so excited. Okay, we're going to listen to Inside Her Story this weekend. I cannot wait to hear that. And she did it in a booty pop dress. Stop it. We love a warrior in a booty pop dress. We love her. Yes, we do. What's greater than finding a gas station in the middle of nowhere? 
knowing that less trips to the pump means less creepy encounters thanks to your all-new 2020 Corolla Hybrid. The first-ever Corolla Hybrid with up to 53 city EPA-estimated MPG is a game-changer. With standard features like sport mode, honeycomb mesh grille, and an 8-inch touchscreen display, it's more than just another hybrid. The Toyota Corolla Hybrid is sleek, fun to drive, and greater than ever. 2020 Corolla Hybrid EPA 53 city, 52 highway, 52 combined MPG estimates. Actual mileage will vary. You know, a lot of folks think that they take it for granted that people have access to birth control. Yeah, absolutely. And it's becoming more and more difficult, especially in the moment that we're in now. Depending on where you live, Ugh. it's getting harder and harder and harder to access birth control. But listen, we're going to help out with the company Simple Health. They have, they, listen, they will send it to your door. No more doctor's offices, waiting rooms, or pharmacy lines. Get, you can get birth control prescribed renewed and delivered from wherever you are on your schedule. Simple Health makes the complicated process of getting birth control, well, simple. Well, I mean, this is great because whether you're trying birth control for the first time or you need to renew your prescription, Simple Health is there to take care of you. Once you fill on that online health profile and answer a few questions, to find the best birth control for you, a doctor is going to review it. That's important, that you're getting a doctor to review it. If you're a good candidate for birth control, they will recommend a product and write you a prescription. Then your birth control will ship to your door on a recurring schedule. There's no interruptions, and it's free with most insurance plans. It starts at just $15 a month if you don't have insurance. And if you don't want everybody in your business, because birth control is a personal choice. Absolutely. And Simple Health, Simple Health is a discreet and comfortable option. No labels on the shipment or telling anyone your sexual activity, just you and your phone at home. Quiet and simple. This is perfect. Simple Health only offers you trusted brands. You're getting trusted brands of birth control. They have over 100 brands of the pill as well as the patch or the ring. It's a personalized recommendation based on your specific health pro profile and your personal preferences. This is specific to you and licensed doctors help to design the product. They review every patient and this is being done with rigor and with care. And guess what? Simple Health accepts insurance. And birth control is free with most insurance plans. Now, for those without insurance, birth control pills start at $15 a month, and delivery is free for everyone. Now, the annual prescription is usually $20, but read this, read that, listeners, get to try Simple Health for free with the code READ THIS. Yep, so just use that code READ THIS. You can get yourself taken care of, especially in times like these, Miss Jackie Reed. It's so important that women be able to take care of their health, not have it interrupted by outside people. Yes. Just make it you and a doctor. You fill out that online profile, and Simple Health makes sure that you get the care that you need. And remember, the annual prescription is usually 20 bucks. But read this, read that, listeners. Get to try Simple Health for free with the code READ THIS. Do not miss this chance to try this service for free. Our Read This, Read That listeners can get the $20 prescription fee waived by simply going to simplehealth.com slash read this or enter the code READ THIS at checkout. Now, this service is not a replacement for routine evaluations by your primary care physician or gynecologist. Absolutely. Make sure that you still go and get your pap smears and your checkups. You regularly do that regularly it's so important but there is no medical reason to link those visits to just getting contraception that you need so go ahead and get your contraception stay with your doctor and make sure that you get your pap smears and every one of your health checkups but do try this service for free again read this read that listeners you get that $20 prescription fee it's going to be waived just go to simplehealth.com slash read this or enter the code read this r-e-i-d at checkout you're welcome you know jackie listening always makes us smarter and more connected as people, makes us better partners, parents, and leaders. And there is no better place to start listening 
than with Audible. That's so true. Audible is where so many inspiring voices and compelling stories open listeners up to new experiences and ways of thinking. And what I do love about Audible memberships now is that you can actually get more than ever before. Members can choose three titles per month. That's three. One audiobook plus two Audible originals that you cannot hear anywhere else. Wow. Members also have unlimited access to more than 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. I need that. That's right up your alley. You can get bestsellers, you can get business, you can get self-improvement, memoirs, and more, all professionally narrated by actors and authors and motivational superstars. We're talking people like David Goggins, Mel Robbins, Rachel Hollis, like all sorts of amazing people. Yeah, and with the convenient app, members can access Audible anytime at the gym, while commuting, on the go. And on any device, it will always pick up right where they left off. I love that. That is great. And you also can get free and easy audiobook exchanges, meaning you want to switch for something else. You can get credits. You can roll over for a year. There's even a library that you keep forever, even if you cancel. So listen, start listening with a 30-day Audible trial on your first audiobook, plus two Audible originals are free. That is fabulous. Yes. Visit audible.com slash read this or text read this to 500 500- 500. That's 500 500. You know, I can suggest a great first audiobook what for you to get. What would that be, Lady Joanne? I'm just saying there's a really great new book out called The Man Who Sold America what? Trump and the End of the American Story. And, you know, it might be by me. I love that. The audiobook is available. So if you want to try it on audible.com, you can actually try it for free. Now, does it say it's by Joy Reed or Joy Ann Reed? You know, I had to put Joy Ann. My mama would haunt me. Thank you, family. Okay. All right. So explore all the ways listening, to, uh, listening on Audible can help improve mind, body, and soul with entertainment, information, and inspiration. Get your audiobook three-day Audible trial. Your free audiobook could be my book if you really want it to. Plus two Audible originals. Visit audible.com slash read this or text read this to 500-500. Well, our next guest needs no introduction. No. Uh, But introduce him anyway. Mark Lamont Hill. He's a journalist. He's a professor. He does so many things. He's an activist. He's very outspoken. We love him so much. And he has a new show on BET Digital called Black Coffee. Yeah. I love that. Great name. Right? Thank you. I love that. You should call it Black Tea because then you can spill all of it. That's why we call it coffee. Ah! Oh, okay. it's like no tea. No, no tea. No tea. Just, just coffee. coffee. He's, he's a coffee man. He's not a tea. We love right. coffee. I like a little tea, just not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every now and then. Every now and then. Little shade. Little shade. Mark, how are you? I'm good. I'm it's good. good to have you here. You look good. You look happy. You look like you're in a good place. I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm working a lot right now, more than yeah. I'm used to as a professor in the summertime. But uh, but life is good. Everything is coming around. Opportunities have been coming. And, um, you know, I've been busy. I feel good. I'm looking at your tattoos. You have a lot of them. Oh, yeah. You have yeah. a lot. I've never, so I don't, I've always seen you dressed more up. So I've oh, never seen right. the tats. Yeah, I got a whole bunch of you them. You got a ton what's, of them. What's the, what's what is the, the, the latest one that yeah. you have? What's the latest one I got? The latest one I got was this one. It was like top. My favorite hip hop tapes from back in the day. Nice. Oh, nice. So it starts with Nas Illmatic and goes down. I even got the Power 99 mixtape. Remember back in the day when you get yeah. your own tape, put the little that? tab in it, and start recording, try to yeah. cut the commercials? And then yeah. remember when it would break and you'd be like, oh, damn right, it. Right. And then it would be the worst thing. Exactly. There was a song. Remember that song, I'm, I'm Looking at the Front Door? Yeah. Remember that song? I had that on a mixtape that I made in, co- in college and I could never find it again. Oh. After that tape broke, 
I never, I wasn't able to find the song until downloads happened. Then right. showing oh, wow. how old I I couldn't it. find it. It's like, where is this song? It wasn't uh, anywhere to be found. That's the worst. Only on my mixtape. Only on a mixtape. What right. was the first fat, first tattoo? First one I covered up. because So I got a tattoo in in, in, in like the mid-90s when people didn't have them yet, at least where I was. And so I, I wasn't old enough to have one yet, so I went to oh. the tattoo place and I gave him a... I think I had ten dollars. So you got it. You illegally? got a ten dollars tattoo. I got it illegally because you were too young to get it. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted a basketball. I was a basketball player in high school, right? So, so <laughs> he, he took a he took a quarter, and he set the quarter right here on my arm, and drew a little circle around it, and made basketball. Really? And then I went back a week later, with another ten dollars, and he put my name here in cursive. So Stop. I've covered it up since. Okay, but yeah, why'd you cover it up? Because it's a lot of real estate to take up for such a terrible tattoo. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like on my shoulder. Oh. It was right. It was like right on your right, bicep. You yeah. yeah. So it was like I had all these other cool tattoos, and I just had Mark. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I made it myself, so right. I covered up. I'm so. Uh, we're just examining addict. you today. You're also wearing a justice. The justice system is criminal T-shirt. Yeah. Significance. Well, oh, I mean, oh, yeah. Self-evident. Yeah. I, lo- I love T-shirts and I love radical T-shirts. I have a you know at my bookstore we sell T-shirts that I design. Um, it's uh, UncleBobby's.com. Uh, what book show? Books. You have a bookstore. Yeah. yeah. Philadelphia. Uncle Bobby. Coffee that. and books. Yes. Yeah, we're two years old. Nice. Two years old, doing really well. And uh, and one of the things we saw also is apparel. And uh, this is actually a black woman made this one though. Uh, Rhythm Keen. Uh, her her in her store is called uh, Incense Trap and Yoga. And uh, I love to wear political T-shirts. And this one, of course, is speaking to you know how how dysfunctional you know the, the criminal justice system. Yeah. Is. But wait, Incense I gotta ask about the bookstore before we talk about the criminal justice system. Um, what was the plan to make sure that a book sh- a bookstore would succeed in a climate <laughs> where Amazon, right? You know, come on, man. Because you know, everybody told me I was crazy. Yes, people like yeah. that's like old, old, a blockbuster video or something. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> it's not that bad. Right. It's that good. Those near. old videos, damn near. Right. It's close. I right. mean, when's the last time you went to a bookstore? I, I, well, you know, I'm a nerd. I love a bookstore. But where? I was just in a book. Where was I? Just in a bookstore. First of all, Revolution Books is not far from me, which I'm gonna go in very soon. Mm. Yeah. And then um, the last time that Winsome and I were oops you know, last time my daughter and I were in uh DC we went into Barnes and Nobles and just walked around. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nice. So I, I, my my first my scholarly training initially was around books and bookstores. And I you know I did a lot of re- I spent years studying bookstores. So I, I had some expertise on it so I felt a little bit more like yeah. I knew what I was doing. But the reality is the markets are changing and the the Barnes and Nobles wiped out the mom and pops and then yes. the Amazons wiped out the Barnes and Nobles yeah. and the Borders and the B Daltons and all of that stuff. But there's been a resurgence of independent bookstores in the last five years. Mm. And what has happened is people either want to get their book from Amazon or they want to be around real people. Yeah. And they want to connect. And so I ha- I felt a sense of possibility with that. But then I also said I'll sell coffee. Yeah. Because coffee is a high margin business. Yeah. People and black folk need coffee shops. And the neighborhood that it's in in Philadelphia is a neighborhood that is like trying to keep gentrification at arm's length. Yeah. And I was like, why don't we make a place where black people can be? Yeah. And enjoy each other. We deserve beauty, right? We deserve those Absolutely. stuff. Right? Absolutely. So let's. I'm, so I made a shop that allows black people to have. You know, our, our, our theme is uh, cool people, dope books, great coffee, and nice. that's what we have. I and, love it. And it's been two years, and we we do um we do a lot of events, a lot of author events. We also do community education next door. Well, there's an author uh, in the room. Third <coughs> uh, book is coming out. Can we uh, get on <laughs> your schedule? And you will be at Uncle Bob. We we, we have all the dope. We had common uh, last week. We had about what? We had about six hundred. Okay, I gotta hit all you All black up. women, but it was. About <laughs> They do now. They do now, right? Right. But we've, we've had everybody, and we have we we have a huge space we have, in okay. addition to the actual stores. So I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna hit you through. up. You better a hundred percent. You black and you're author. You got and you come to Philly. Oh, you gotta I'm come through us. Definitely yeah. coming. Where is it in Philly? I have it's in Germantown. Oh, okay. It's in Germantown. Yeah. 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 So we're cool. we're right in a, right right in a real neighborhood. That's nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. We're really well, let's talk a little bit more about black coffee. We we went through that very quickly. We want to know what's the show about. What's it gonna be like? 
Tell us a little bit about and Black where people coffee. can find it. Yes. You know, some people are like, wait a minute, what? I can't find it. Right, my, I'm looking <laughs> on my TV. I don't see no, <laughs> I don't see no Black Coffee. I see Fresh Prince, right? <laughs> <laughs> Moesha rerun. <laughs> yeah, nah. it's, uh, it's, it's BET Digital, and it's I, I went to, I've been working for BET actually steadily for the last 10 years. Doing specials. Uh, specials. And Technically, I'm the host of BET News, but as you know, that oh, yeah, can mean yeah. lots, <laughs> lots of things. Hey. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, listen, I'm a faithful BET News watcher, you know. Right. So, <laughs> Yo, at look, least I was when it was on. When it was on, right? And, and obviously, when it was every day and it was y'all was doing it, was dope. You I know? know. And now we've just we, we've shifted, and BET still is committed to this kind of work. We just do it in a different way. Yep. Um, and so I've been I've been connected to the BET family, and then when David Wilson arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from you know, Grio days. From the I, know, Griot, I know y'all go away. My Grio, yes. yes. You know, we sat down and we said, yo, let's do something different. Let's put together something on digital because digital is, is where people are. It's where to do it. Yeah. So I said, well, let's figure something out. I, I was telling about my black coffee shop. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I want, I'm thinking about the conversations we have in Uncle Bobby's. I'm thinking about the conversations we have in these spaces. How can we replicate that on, on screen? Where we're having rich, deep conversation, it, it you know, without all of the frills and all the political correctness, you know, strong black coffee, no sugar, no cream, yeah, yeah. you know, like Heavy D used to say, and also it's not gossipy like a lot of these right. shows, no tea. Yeah. So between those two things, we said let's let's do black coffee. Um, I have two co-hosts, uh, Jameer Pond and Gia Peppers, uh, who are dope, and we we every day we 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 engage the issues of the day. We talk about things that are trending. We talk about things that are in the news, and we also have guests. Um, the show isn't guest centered in the sense that every day we have to have a celebrity guest. Right. But most days we have somebody, we have a yeah. newsmaker, mm-hmm. uh, and we talk to them. But again, we don't want people to come in and just sell their product. Right. We want people to actually come in and be part of the conversation that we're already having. So, for example, um, next week Laverne Cox is coming, oh, and you know, that. you know, whatever's happening in, in Laverne's life, we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also going to talk about whatever's going on in the news. Today, Sean King was on, and we talked to him about uh, all the reparations conversation that yeah. came in in the house yesterday. Uh, and it was a great conversation. And we also talked about his 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 ventures with North Star, but it was also about the actual substance of the news. But on top of that, it's like if Sean King is in the room, I want to know. I'm gonna ask him what black people want to know, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so we asked him some Sean King black people questions, right? Just like we do every other person who's come in, and it's everybody from Rutemi from Power to to him, you know, to him to uh, Scotty Beam from from Revolt to I mean, we've to Tarana Burke, you know, mm-hmm. we've had a range of people. And we also give people a space to, to show different sides of themselves because y'all know how it is. Yep. People have an on-camera persona. They have talking points, and that's all you get. And when you interview somebody for three to five minutes, you get those same talking points, yeah, right? Yeah, you do. But when you get them for 30 minutes, you know, they run out of talking it's points. It's a whole new right. world. You're right. There ain't no lifeline from the publicist. Yes. We're going to talk, but we're fair and we're honest. You know, we're not trying to trip anybody up and play gotcha. We're not, that's not what we're trying to do. We just want to have a rich conversation. Let's talk about this Tupac moment that you had. Oh, okay. Okay. That? Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> I had it in my chest. It was in my spirit. <laughs> I had to get. What were you thinking, man? I, man, so if Come you, on. I, I so really tell, meant so it. So tell people who don't know what so, happened. So what happened was, so we have a segment called "I Said What I Said," <laughs> and the idea is that you take a stand on something. You know, everybody be at the house, everybody be at a barbecue, the party. You take That's a position a setup for failure, right there. Yeah, I it said is. What I, I said, said what I said. That's right. all about pride. It's all about pride. But sometimes <laughs> yeah. you really be meaning it, though, right? Yeah. You know what I mean. So, um, I, I was like, you know, I gotta say something that's on my heavy on my heart, you know. I like Tupac. I love Tupac. Mm-hmm. Tupac is talented, brilliant actor. Oh, the butt is coming in. Yeah, oh, you know it's coming. It's a big it's old butt. <laughs> right. Okay. However, <laughs> <laughs> as an actual lyricist, I believe that he is overrated. You're fired. <laughs> Please leave the studio right now. I get it. I get it. Seriously? I, you can imagine. Tupac, Amaru Shakur, 
Seriously, you saying he's overrated? Wait, before you debate As this, a rapper. let's talk about what happened. So you say this, and then so then our guest, who was YFN Lucci, you know, a very very popular rapper at the current moment. First of all, he's just nonplussed. He stands up. Pulls up his shirt because he has Thug Life tatted on his stomach, right? <laughs> Which I ain't know. As well he should. As he should. Joanne has that same tattoo. Uh, of course, uh-huh. uh, of course, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, because we don't tell each other what I said, what I said was. So right. everybody's shocked, right? Yeah. We don't. And he's like, I don't know what to do, right? And, and he's cool about it. And then he just, then they all just jumped on me. Then everybody on social media started writing in. It's been our most watched video so far. I think we got about, yeah. about I think we, we got a few million uh, clips of it. Just on Facebook alone. Right. And most of the people telling me I'm crazy. Like, I'm that crazy dude in the barbershop that just be talking. Right. And that's cool. But I said what I said. <laughs> and, I, and I ain't wrong, no. So how, how did you handle the, the backlash, if you will, on social media? Are you, like, has it caused you to have a lot of conversation about it? Have you been diplomatic about it? Or are you just like, I said what I said? I, I, most of it, you know, I, in the last year, I've learned a, a little thing about uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about, about responding <laughs> to public criticism. So, Because okay. my producer yeah. like, you going to be all right with this? I was like, yeah, I think I can handle you Tupac fans. But wait a minute. Hold on a second. From that era. Okay, now we have to go back. I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's fine. From that era, give me four hip-hop artists who are better lyricists. In uh, your view, than pop. That's easy. I keep a list on my phone just for the moments. Just like for that. moments like I, that. I, yes. I, I that's how petty I am. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go I, ahead. You so, saying Nas? Nas for sure. Okay, I will give you that. Will you give me Rakim? I will give you Rakim. Will you? I actually uh-oh. recently met Rakim. I almost fit, passed out. We all would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you give me Ice Cube? Ice Cube? Ice Cube. Man. Better than Pac? Ice Cube. Listen, I love. Let, let, let me just say this. See what's about, about to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. I'm, I'm stepping uh, out of the room. <laughs> Wait a minute. Pac, definitely a better lyricist than Cube. I love Cube. Wait, but you tell me that Ice Cube is a better lyricist than Tupac? Okay, keep going. Okay. I gave you two because Nas, look, my son's middle name is Nasir. So, okay, you, 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 I, I, you wow. know okay. I love Nas. Will you give me Karis one? Oh, wow. She's thinking See, about she don't it. want to now. See, this is a part of the argument where this She's is a, about you about it. to go into man mode where you're like, I know I'm wrong now, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna just die on this hill. She's thinking about it. Wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna give you, I'm definitely giving you Rakim and Nas. You give me 100 percent Yeah, I mean, when you start looking at Cool G rap, you start looking cool at Cool G rap better than than Tupac? In terms of actual talent, I would say so, yeah. What? And then we talk about and we talk about his actual contemporaries, like like when you, you're right, because that's the that's the reason I'm hesitating on Karis one, because he's not his contemporary. Okay, so he's an earlier that's fair, era. That's fair. So take him out because that's that eighties era. So we move into Let's the stay in the nineties. If we stay in the nineties, stay in the mid nineties during so, that era. So I'd love to. Wu Tang yeah. Clan. At least three of them rap better than him. But it's 74 of them. At least three of them rap better than them. <laughs> I take Ghostface Killer all day. I take Raekwon all day. Andre 3000. Remember, Andre mm. 3000. I, I think that's a, I think that's indisputable. All right. I, I could probably give you Andre 3000. Uh, but Scarface. I, but, uh, okay, but it's one thing to say. Scarface? No. Ooh. No, Poppy, no. See, it's no. A, I think it becomes Mm-mm. regional, too. It's, yeah. Because I mean, if I was in, in Chicago, York. if I was in Houston, people would say absolutely. If you were in New York, people there would say. There was no Houston rapper better than Tupac. Are you uh, serious right now? No, no, uh, Name one from Houston, no, from no, Texas. Uh, uh, Scarface. State. I would say Scarface. No. See, and that, that, Wrong. Okay, I mean, Ghetto Boys is pretty important. On the West Coast, you could, I mean, and, and then when you add, then when you put them in a, here's the issue. People, and, okay, I could say one thing that maybe mm. there are better lyricists than Tupac. Yes. But in terms of somebody who defined the culture, yeah. who was a cultural revolutionary and who yeah. was meaningful as an artist, um, you cannot better. call him overrated, period, because well, of what he lyri- meant to He was hip-hop. saying lyrically. You're saying specifically just lyrically. He did it's, say it's like not his overall, yeah. overall artistry. Because no. the other yeah. issue, too, that I have, and this is why I can't do the Ice Cube thing with him, even though yeah. I love Cube. And he was probably the most important rapper of the 90s. 
hundred percent. He wasn't the most important rapper of the nineties. If, if, uh, if yeah. Tupac, <laughs> I mean, if, if if Ice Cube dies in nineteen ninety six, overall we, culturally, yes, he made yeah. movies, etc. Too, yeah. you know, obviously but Friday, that's the Tupac everything like that. right? But well, but Tupac did too. But the reality is, is West Coast rappers, and I remember I grew up mostly West Coast because I was mm. in Denver, so we were listening to mostly West Coast uh, rap. This, this but, I'm, a lot. but I'm from Denver. Brooklyn. But I'm from <laughs> this, Brooklyn. This explains a lot. Actually. No, no, no. But I'm from. No, they they rep the West Coast. You said I, Brooklyn. That's where Biggie's from, right? But I'm from Brooklyn, right? So I personally preferred East Coast rappers, even though I was in the West Coast, right? right? So I have a slight bias that I feel like West Coast rappers don't ride the rhythm the way the East Coast rappers did. I feel like in terms of the Probably way that they rode the, rode the rhythm, oh, yeah. West Coast rappers rap on every beat. They rap on every first beat, right? Whereas the East Coast, one of the things that Rakim, and to me, and when I met him, that's what I told him. What he changed in the game oh. is he was hitting that alternate beat. Oh, that yeah. was a was like whole a different musician. thing. Whereas West Coast rappers stayed on that on that upbeat, that yep. first beat. They Absolutely. all rap that way. Absolutely. Even the ones who are great lyricists, and I think Cube is a great lyricist, but he's on that first beat, right? right. He's not able to do that alternate ride in the rhythm, but Tupac could do that. Tupac that's was fair. a West Coast-East Coast hybrid because he rode the rhythm like an East Coast rapper. Yeah. That's Joanne's why I think he was next great. book is going to be if Tupac was still alive, he should have run for president. Exactly. Well, you never know. Machiavelli, he might still <laughs> be alive. Right. How about that? <laughs> That's and, her next And clearly, he can, he can win. Anybody, anybody can run for president these days. Well, hell. He's been number 25 on the Democratic <laughs> side. So you're I getting can, a generation X. Yeah, this is my... Mm. Listen, this girl is a hip-hop head. I cannot weigh in on this at all. <laughs> Just trust that I'm right. <laughs> no, no. Trust that I'm right, cousin. Girl power. So wait a minute. So has it died down since it's the yeah. most... No. Viewed? So the Tupac fans are the most persistent people I've ever seen in my life. Clearly. Every day I post something. <laughs> It has nothing to do with Tupac. <laughs> I'll be like, you know, climate change is really an issue. Really <laughs> Tupac like climate change. You would know that if you weren't hating on Tupac. And then they'll write a whole paragraph about Tupac. I'm like, this is, I've never seen anything like it. People ride for Pac. Yo. Now she's going to start chiming in. They're like the beehive, right? Yes. I'm going to have to start doing it, too. I'm going to develop an alternate, like, persona on Twitter that can yes. come after you every right. day. They need to, right. they need to have a burner account day. and just do the Kevin Durant thing. Just like, right. just Straight just up. Yeah. I'm ordering my burner phone right, right now. now. <laughs> I, I want to talk about another issue, because this is something that, um, when it happened, it struck me because this is something I've cared about for really pretty much my entire life, um, is the Palestinian cause. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, and I just, my, my caveat to this is my father was Congolese, and he, but he lived in South Africa and worked in South Africa most of his life. So we, the, the pa- people in South Africa were very close with the Palestinian Absolutely. cause, very much in solidarity. Nelson Mandela, all, um, you know, Bishop Tutu, they all were in very much solidarity with Palestinians. And so it's just an issue I kind of grew up really caring about. And I feel like these are, the one people on earth that nobody cares about. You know what I mean? They're like, they're just a stateless, loveless people. And it's always struck me as incredibly tragic that as much as people, you know, rightfully care about what happened, you know, to to Jews, that they needed a homeland, and people really are very close with Israel, particularly Christians, and that's fine. And that's, I think that's valid. But I feel like Palestinians are just loveless. The like, politics, no one cares. The politics are against them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it. The bottom line is the politics are against just them. against them. And so it's yeah. rare when somebody will be vocally for them. Yeah. So you took the chance to do that, and you took a lot of heat. Uh, more yeah. than your Tupac heat. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Way yeah, more. Yeah, this is past Tupac. This is, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was... Uh, so, so I, I come out of a, a, a black radical tradition that believes in uh, international solidarity. Um, and radical solidarity, particularly among the third world, we have to align ourselves with with, with each other. You know, I think about Malcolm in 1959. Um, um, I think about visiting Palestine for the first time, going back, obviously, in 64. Um, I think about the, the Panthers. I think about um, 
you know, Angela Davis now. Yeah. Right? I think about SNCC. They were all connected to the question of Palestine, particularly after 1967, after the, the Six-Day War, as they call it. And so for me, I was just trying to operate in that same tradition. And I think if Dr. King had lived longer, um, he was certainly moving in that direction. Um, and so I've, I'm also a researcher. I'm a scholar. Um, I'm trained in Middle East studies. Um, and I study, I actually do, my, I do field work in Jerusalem for the last five years. I've lived for periods of time in Jerusalem. I've gone back and forth between Jerusalem and, and the States, studying actually the Afro-Palestinian community. There. Right. Um, and over that time, I've also developed bonds and networks of solidarity, and I've become more vocal on the issue, uh, one, because I knew more, but mm-hmm. also because I, I felt like it was my responsibility, particularly after Ferguson summer, after yep. 2014. Yeah. So many of us were talking about transnational solidarity, mm-hmm. what it meant for us to be mm. on the ground in Ferguson getting tear gassed and having people in the West Bank telling us, here's how you wash your eyes out. Right. Here's how you make a gas mask. Here's how you cover your face. Here's how you run. They were holding a Black Lives Matter sign. Absolutely. And it goes back before that, because I know when we were covering for the GRIO, um, the Trayvon Martin oh, situation, yeah. Yeah. the Dream Defenders, which was the original Black Lives Matter group, give them their credit, they were yeah. the original group that marched from Tallahassee, I mean, marched from Ferguson to Tallahassee yep. to protest what was happening, to what had happened to Trayvon Martin and the fact that there had been no arrest. That group was founded by an African-American and a Palestinian-American right. who were best friends. Yep. And so their Palestinian-Americans were at the core of Black Lives Matter from the very beginning. Absolutely. Yeah. And we did, we made, the, I was part of the first delegation to... Uh, Palestine with the Dream Defenders. Yep. Um, they do that every year. Yeah, do it every year. And I've been on every delegation. Yeah. And To uh, this day, every year you Every go? year I go. Oh, every wow. year I go. Okay. I, there's, I, 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 mean, I spend three months a year in Palestine. So yeah. um, I have until recently. Now, lately, I, I, I haven't because I've been doing some other stuff. But um, And so when I went to the United Nations, it was, it was, uh, it was the International Day of Solidarity with the Palestinian people. Um, and the reason I stress that is because some black folk got mad at me for going in like, why are you, why are you going? Why you, you ain't talking about African people? Why, <laughs> you, why you, no, I get it every day. That's crazy. Particularly those ADOS people. They're like, what? Oh, don't you, even stop me I on know, them. I know. They, would you, I was like, man. I, if, they if, don't if, like black people. They, they don't. Certainly not black people outside of the United States. Right. They, and I'm like, bro. like, I, I wonder where they think that they're from originally. It, it's, <laughs> it's stunning. It's like they hate Africans the most. Right. And it's like even descendants of slaves. They, we, we didn't just get dropped here. Right. right. It's, slaves it's, from the moon. Right. Mars, Venus. <laughs> right. No, Africa. Right. Right. I'm Wake like, up. this is weird. And that's what I said to myself. So I went there to stand in solidarity as a representative of civil society with the Palestinian people because I thought that the international declaration, the universal, excuse me, declaration of human rights founded in 1948 was a framework that we should all be appealing to to figure out how we can have equal rights here in the States, yeah. how we can have equal rights in, in, in Africa, how we can have equal rights in Latin America and so forth. And so I spoke out. And the reaction, I gave a 20, I think it was 22, 25 minute speech. And to this day, I have not seen a, critique of the speech right i've only seen a critique of the last six words yeah right and which you know in some ways is gratifying you know i did my homework but in other ways it's very disappointing because the six words almost became a distraction to the substance of the speech speech, which was an opportunity for me to stand in solidarity and say we need a new way because 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 you're right the the politics are against us we we, they asked including among democrats we should say it's not just republicans oh no yeah it's a bipartisan problem i mean just yesterday the times ran the thing uh or a couple days ago ran a a thing asking each of the can each of the democratic candidates you know is is i think basically israel's position on human rights is israel in violation of human rights or what do you think israel's human rights and they all gave bad answers yeah every single one the Democrats are on the same page. This is the one place where, you know, when uh, when Ilan Omar was being attacked, there were Democrats who were attacking her more viciously yeah. than Republicans. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's an issue that's bipartisan because everyone is on the same page vis-a-vis 
American policy toward Israel. Israel. But I think in fairness, you know, if, if it's a specific issue of human rights, you can critique even a friendly country, a country with can. whom you are friends if they are violating human rights. Right now, many of our friends are critiquing our human rights situation vis-a-vis children from Central America. We are getting strong and fierce critiques from countries that love the United States. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. And so if, you know, I I can remember, and I'm sure you covered it there on the ground, covering what was happening in Gaza. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about, we had, um, on my previous show, we had people from UNRWA on, Mm -hmm. and their schools were being bombed. Think about dropping bombs on an elementary school Uh, as a way of punishing Hamas, who... Y'all wanted them to have elections. Right. They elected they the won. people who bring food and right. medicine. Yeah. You Now you don't like them. And right. so you don't like the results of the election. So it's okay to bomb their schools. Yeah. Little kids. And, you know, we've had a, one of our colleagues here at NBC was on the beach when, you know, Israeli missiles struck some little kids who were playing soccer. Yeah. When you see stuff like that happen, if you don't, you can't have a heart if you don't think these are human beings who deserve to have a home, too. That's so, right. Mark, if, if you had to do it all over, given all the backlash that happened and everything of that speech, would you change that last line? I ask myself that every day, mm. partly because black people ask me that every day. Yeah. Um, I was at Harvard maybe a month ago, and this kid stood up two months ago, and he stood up and almost brought me to tears. He said, you know, it also made me feel old. He said, I, <laughs> he said, I grew up watching you on TV. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? I, let me just say, let me pause there. <laughs> Uncle <Young> Mark. People, <laughs> nobody wants to hear <laughs> No one that you admire wants to hear. I was watching you since you I was a little that child. You watched them when you were a kid. <laughs> you grew up watching. Nobody wants to hear no, it. Uh-uh. It makes us feel old. It's not a compliment. It's not a compliment. Just, and, and Don't do what you think it's going to do. <laughs> and, 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 when, and when you lead with that, when you go up to somebody that yeah. you admire and you want advice from them or you want something, mm-hmm. you say that, that's all they hear. They that's hear all they nothing hear. you say right. into that. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to help right. you. I'm sitting there doing the math in my head like, yeah. yes. Damn. Don't yeah, this say right. it. Right. We're all like at midlife crisis. Don't say it. Right. Stop we all buying muscle cars oh. and like, right. you know, booty shorts. I mean, come on. Exactly. Can we get some more tattoos or can something? Can we get some more tattoos? Right. If I can give young people any piece of advice. That is some great advice. Don't say that. Lose it's very true. It. So true. Because you don't know so who you're talking to from you Oprah to Denzel For real. who's going through something Didn't Oprah just say stop calling them auntie? Auntie. Yes. Yeah. Same thing. They mm-hmm. don't want it. Nobody wants to hear you were watching them when they were a kid. Okay, I'm getting passionate. Please go on. No, no. So he said, I love what you meant for black people and for me you were the only representation of black men that I saw on mainstream TV that I appreciated and yeah. of course there are others I, I you know I would argue there are others but for him he said it meant a lot to me and so for you to not be on anymore because of yeah. that speech um, is devastating to me because I feel like there will be another generation of young black men who won't get to see you on TV. Wow. Well, it's true. There aren't that. I mean, that that is one of the deficits with black people in general yeah. in- being here to speak on on national issues. I mean, I can think right now you, Jelani Cobb, um, Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like, there's like maybe five or six like that are on regular rotation, exactly. right? Especially from our generation because the Cornells right, and the Dysons right, are next. But, exactly. The yeah. Adam Serwers, the Jamel mm-hmm. Bowies. Like, that's five, okay? Right. So, but, but there's how not... many of them are getting paid to do it? Right. Exactly. You know I mean? right. And having opportunities to speak out. So when you take yeah. one out, you're taking like 20%. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it's at those moments that I'm like, damn, maybe I did something wrong here. Mm-hmm. But I was, and, 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 and because I feel like I've done harm. Yeah. Right. On the flip of that is I, I can't blame myself for taking a principled position. I, I, I believe, I, I know I took a principled position. I know I stood up in solidarity with the Palestinian people because it was the right thing to do. Um, and I'm trying to model a certain kind of ethic of solidarity that I think will um, 
be bigger and more significant than this momentary setback. Right. I believe this is part of a bigger plan that I that I just have to wait out and ride. Do you out. feel like African American? I'm sorry. Do you no, feel no. like African Americans are moving that direction? Because you know, with the church going folk are very pro Israel that are particularly older black yes. people that's, very that's in the what, church because that's what the church teaches. Correct. You know what I mean? And black people, whatever the pastor says, yes. that's where we go. That's where yeah. we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he says buy me a plane. We're gonna buy him a plane. That's yeah. it. Because right. if he said if the Lord says and we supposed to give him money, supposed yeah. to give him our life savings. The Bible yeah. plan. You know, we follow what the pastor says. So that's what black people are taught. Absolutely. Yeah. But younger black church. people are, and I mean, even the Congressional Black Caucus. Remember when when B, when uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu came and was invited, unprecedented, to go and give a partisan speech in the Congress. Right. A lot of members of the CBC didn't show up. So there Thankfully. is, there feels like, it feels like a shift where the Pals, because in mm-hmm. order for, to me, the Palestinians to be on equal footing with the Israelis in terms of the American po- politics, in terms of the American political system being willing to be even-handed. We don't have that now. Obviously, obviously, with Jared Kushner and those guys who are 100% on one side. But then again, a lot of Democrats are, too. We've never been on— you There's know, never been, yeah. like, an even-handed sort—even with Clinton. He's like, here, take these 40 Bantu stands and be—and shut up. Exactly. Right? And so, the Clinton Accords were a joke. Not, not really a yeah. solution, right? Yeah. So we haven't really had anyone— to be honest with you, with the exception of Herbert Walker Bush, I think the toughest stance was really George Herbert That's Walker Bush. That's a great Bush. observation. That's a great observation. He was and the toughest, right. and he was the most even-handed out of all right. the recent presidents. But do you feel like American politics is at all shifting yeah. toward evenness? I, I do. I believe, you know, in that long arc of, of, of justice. Um, if you were to look at where we were in the 1980s, you know, under Reagan on this issue, you know, where the Middle East policy was very much about proxy wars. Right. And it, it really wasn't even about the particular regions, whether it was the Gulf or whether it was Israel-Palestine, where he wasn't particularly involved. Yep. Herbert Walker Bush was was more even-handed, particularly particularly around settlement expansion. Definitely. Um, but still, there was a sense that Palestinians are wrong. Palestinians have no right to self-govern. There's a broader narrative that Arabs and Palestinians in particular can't self-govern. Yeah. They don't want democracy. They don't yep. want modernity, et cetera, et cetera. But they're just sort of animals. Like yeah. They're just sort of they're, not— They're barbaric. It's, and the reason I think it probably strikes me, just as—and uh, maybe you as well, is that the way that they're spoken about is in a similar dehumanizing way that Africans are spoken Absolutely. about, that they're not fit to govern themselves, yeah. that all of these countries on the African continent are simply not fit for self-governance. It feels like a similar argument. Is oh, it's exactly same. Because if you think after World War II, the, the mandatory periods, the you know, where, where the mandate periods where they said, okay, you can't govern yourself, we'll, give, we'll have a mandate, either Britain right. or France. Someone else governs yeah. you. It, it was in Africa and the Middle East. Yeah. And so, you saw the Jared Kushner interview where he was asked, do you think that yeah. Palestinians are capable of governing themselves? And he said, oh, but he glitched. He yeah. couldn't even answer. Because he can't answer it. And so, but I think the, the bar is shifting. And I think the reason the bar is shifting is a few things. I think, one, the evangelical hold on black folk is a little bit different now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this idea that for our end, yeah. of, our end of days religious visions to include a particular set of actions in Israel— we're not as connected to that literal kind of reading of the Bible. Right. That's one thing. I think also access to video, access to digital media, seeing what happened in Gaza in 2014 radically changed. That same summer that we're fighting in Ferguson, 20, there's also a 51-day war in Gaza. Yeah. And and what you saw there was people saying, wait a minute, this, is, this force looks disproportionate. Even if I am pro-Israel, even if I'm pro-United States, what's happening to those children, to those YMCAs, or to those, not those YMCAs, but to those schools, those yep. centers, yeah. this is wrong. And American Jewish community outside of the political Jewish community, mm-hmm. the average Jewish American is much more liberal Absolutely. than the average, obviously, Israeli Jew. But people in America, I mean, even in the Jewish community, it's, it's shifting. Um, and well, I will say, just to throw a cultural thing in there, yeah. I love the fact that I remind people every time I get the chance, y'all favorite DJ named Khaled Khaled. Right. A little Palestinian dude named DJ Khaled. His now, name is Khaled Khaled. That's, that's your it. favorite DJ. Boom. Now, if only we get him to say Palestine. <laughs> 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 I think I said it more times than he did oh my in my life. 
But, All right, well, let's shift gears mm -hmm. because I want you to give um, some black brothers out there some advice. Oh, I love uh, to do that. Let's start with O.J. Simpson. <laughs> you gonna advise OJ? Has just joined Twitter. I Good don't really Lord want Jesus. you to give him advice, but what do you think? You about want another OJ drink? Simpson? Do you need? Some I might need first? some more. Of this. I need some more. Of OJ. First, first. Who is advising this man? Clearly nobody, right? I mean, and how does he have eight hundred thousand followers? Yo, because people love a spectacle, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's like OJ. If you're gonna go on Twitter, just don't say things like "I got some getting getting even." To I you. know. Because that sounds like premeditation. It's right. <laughs> like, you got away with one. You, first of all, OJ shouldn't be getting. Don't shouldn't be catching up to nobody he is uh -uh. even you up one you yeah. know what I mean? yeah you beat the case of all cases you're the first black man to beat a case like that For in real. public so and and i, I don't make light of those deaths because i think they no. were awful deaths um but oj should have nothing to do in his life but to be Publicly. peaceful and be quiet right, right. right. Be especially after yeah. that documentary right. threw him under the bus right. and all the black people who were supporting him went, and for him to get right. out on parole the second time right after the whole debacle in stealing your own right. stuff I mean, and going to prison yes. when they were out to get you right. dumb I, I, right. I just I, I just can't so you know oj needs to be quiet same thing with bill cosby yeah yep be he quiet. did the Happy Father's Day message, and it's like yeah. somebody, from America's Dad. From well, America's Dad, you say something about yeah, that. Yeah, I talk about that. I'm like, first of all, sit your ass down, right? You, you're not America's Dad. Cliff Huxley no. was America's Dad, right? You are. Uh, 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 I don't. I don't get sued. You are somebody who committed some crimes based on the, the resolution. Well, that. I'm not saying it's from me. I'm just saying that my friend Yashar uh, tweeted, who's very popular on mm. Twitter, because uh, Cosby tweeted, "Hey, hey, hey!" from America's Dad, and Yashar might have tweeted him back, "Hey, hey, hey! You're a rapist," <laughs> oh and got a lot of likes. I'm saying that's not for that's, me. No, and, and it's real. <laughs> Don't sue me, Bill But Cosby. wait, how is he on social media? It's insane. He probably got a burner in prison. <laughs> you watch The Wire, you know what I mean? Right, but come on. <laughs> He's <laughs> his commissary for a phone. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Tell a couple jokes. He got a little flip phone. I need four jokes for the flip phone. <laughs> <laughs> what you got on my commissary? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's right. <laughs> But you got on my commissary. But you know he's going around prison giving talks, motivational speeches yes. to young what? men. Yes, he yeah, is. He What's he motivating them to do? So and here's it, and this is where I'm conflicted. To be better father, this is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. The messages. Don't do drugs, right. including slipping them in other people. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Don't you do drugs? Right, you don't do them. You don't do them. Right, I ain't never did one. Right, I ain't never did one in my life. Don't drink a drink that you made. Right, slip it to somebody else. And that's what I'm worried about. It's like, I'm sure he has good advice for men who are on their way out, transition to the world. A lot of it is probably good, solid advice. Sure. But because the subtext is always going to be, I'm here for a crime I didn't commit. Right. And I'm wrongfully convicted. It also reinforces rape culture. And it reinforces this yeah. idea that, that, that whatever he did in those parties was okay. And I don't want to send men back out into the world with that mindset. And so yeah. that's my issue with him. Yeah, if yeah. you want to tell people to be better fathers and to pull their pants up, I mean, wish he had done that, right? Yeah. But, but at least... You know, take some accountability for what you did. What, what do you? Where do you come down? That, on? Like as you're speaking out, you know, show some regret. Yeah, show some remorse. He is no regret for him. He's a terrible person. Yeah. I, Bill Cosby's a terrible. I, every time I, I don't know Bill Cosby well, but I can yeah. tell you, every time I've met him, he's cussed me out. <laughs> I walked up to Bill Cosby one day because <laughs> I had written this op-ed back in like '05, and he's a he was on the Temple Board of Trustees. So after yeah. I wrote the op-ed, he called him and asked him to fire me. Right. So then. The next day, it was they syndicated it, so it came out a couple more times in a week. And every time it came out, he said, like, yeah. he, he wrote another one, you know, because he doesn't have the internet work. So every week, he, <laughs> he kept calling, trying to get me fired. And so finally, I saw him at this event, like maybe a week later at Temple, and I said, Dr. Cosby, you know, I know we see the world differently. I have great admiration for you, Dr. Cosby. You know, I just, you know, there has to be a way for us to talk about these issues um, with respect. You know, I, I, I totally understand the message of responsibility. I just want to wed that to um, some critical analysis of what's happening on the ground, structure, right. structurally. Yeah. He said, son. He put his sunglasses on, looked away from me, and said, son, 
Can I curse? Yeah. He said, I ain't say a motherfucking thing to you. I ain't come over here fucking with you. You need to get the fuck away from me. Really? Wow. And so, but he said it, it was perfect, right? So he yeah. said it so low and cool that you would have thought he was saying some cool shit to me, right? Right. So it's like, so if I would just start whooping Bill Cosby ass on the stage doing they this intermission. Like, he's beating me, beating me. He's beating this old man, right? <laughs> what you doing with the button? And I was like, I would have looked like crazy. You would have looked crazy. I would look crazy. So I let it go. Yeah. You know? I believe you, though, because listen, if you ever talk to dark Bill Cosby, see, there's, there's like, Regular, hey, 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 Bill Cosby. And there's another Bill Cosby. I've it, talked to that one. Yeah. Because when he was accused, you know, there were a lot of us who were trying to get an interview with him. And yeah. so in, in conversing with him and trying to get an interview, I have had one conversation where I went, I walked away from it just because I was pushing him saying, listen, I'll interview you about your Smithsonian collection, your art collection, whatever, but we got to <laughs> talk about this. Your fans want to know. Right. And yeah, he flipped the script. Oh, yeah. And I realized, okay, this guy does have a, a secondary personality. Yes. That is... Not he's a sociopath. He's a sociopath. To it's, me, it flips and it flipped wow. so quick that right. it was scary to me, and it, it actually disturbed me for quite a while after having that conversation. Wait, but Mark, what did you do in that moment when he said that? Did you just walk away? Because I, I did what he told me to do. I got to walk away from him. <laughs> well, you beat up the, you right. beat the jail I had two options, right? I, I was like, you can't, I'm from North Philly, man. You ain't gonna keep talking <laughs> to me like this. So I, you, you're gonna talk to me crazy like this. So I'm either gonna sit and listen to it, which right. I'm not. Right. I'm gonna whoop your ass, which I can't. <laughs> I just had to get up. I just had to hold that L. You know what I mean? I just, I just took it and walked away. I gotta ask you this question: What do you make of uh, of, of Paul Manafort getting getting out of Rikers? Because there was when when he was supposed to go to Rikers Island, Donald Trump's buddy yeah. Paul Manafort. Yeah. Yeah. There was a hue and cry from people there who wanted out- closed, and yes. it should be closed. AOC yeah. and others said it should be yes, closed. It should but be. there was part of me that thought, but you know what? If Cleve Browder had to go to Rikers, right? How come he yeah. don't have to go to Rikers? So I'm 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 an abolitionist. I'm a prison abolitionist. Um, I. Don't believe the prison is the right resolution to our, any any crime. our problem. Our problems. Right. Our I believe I believe sometimes people have to be taken out of society, and yeah. I believe that we have to find ways to make people whole Absolutely. again. But that's not the way. And I think the test of abolition is not Khalif Browder, right? Right? Because you can look at that and cry and know that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not the people in in solitary. But the the test is when it's somebody we hate, mm-hmm. and it's somebody we don't want, you know, out in society. Somebody who we and we have to say, yeah. what does our best self tell us then? It's like the death penalty, right? When people, right. when I say I'm against death people penalty, people say, "Well, you'd feel different if somebody ran in your house and killed your whole family." Yeah, I might. Yeah, but that ain't my best self. You don't make public policy after right. your whole family gets killed, right? right? So, what does our best self say? Yeah. And so I get it. Just when we say we want higher bails for police officers, right? When yeah. who kill black people? I get the sentiment because we want something that feels like justice, right. but that ain't justice. Because for every cop that gets a $2 million bail, there's going to be 100,000 black boys and black girls that get right. that bail. Yeah. And bail isn't supposed to be intended as a punishment. Yeah. Right. So, again, I get the idea of wanting revenge and it's bloodlust and it's 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 just, we get no justice from the system. And so we try and get it any way we want. But when I see Paul Manafort, I say, you know what? I still want Rikers closed. Right. I hate that this is the case that makes it happen. What's ha- taking it so long, by the way? Deep That's down, ridiculous. I don't have a good answer for you, yeah. other, other than there's no urgency because it's a bunch of black and brown people It's a bunch of caged. black and brown people. And I got to yeah. ask you another question while we got mm-hmm. you here. We just going to plug for all the mm-hmm. information here. The, you, and I'm sure you've seen When They See Us, mm-hmm. um, the Central Park Five yeah. case, which still haunts me and all of us. I think all once you've seen that movie, you will have and nightmares. And the Oprah interview after. I haven't yeah. been able to watch that if yet, If you I watch that, that just yeah. will just break I feel like I can't, mm-hmm. like emotionally. I'm just not to ready to, to watch it. To see and his anger towards his father yeah. and the gr- regret. And they talk about the money that they 
uh, receive the settlement and yeah. how it's just not enough. I yeah. mean, it will. Well, what could pay for your entire wise, 14 to 20 year old life being Losing gone? Your, your innocence, yeah. your childhood. It's crazy. Yeah. But so I have to ask you this um, about mm. about that case, because you're also an academic. Yeah. Um, and as an academic, what do you make of the pushing out from um, from Vassar? I think it was the call that she was associated with the board she was on and also Columbia of the two prosecutors, Linda Fairstein and Lisa Federer, the fact that they've now, yeah. in very much retrospect, uh, now been punished in the sense that, you know, losing the book deal, Linda Fairstein did lose her book deal. She got pushed off the board of her college. Yeah. And now uh, Federer, because students just rose up, they yeah, realized that's students. who she was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I didn't. I didn't know who these women were. I, I no. remember going through the I case, but no we didn't know idea. the prosecutors right. were. And they weren't exactly bragging they about it. They right. weren't exactly bragging about it, but what do you make of the retribution against them? You know... You know, again, as somebody who they, they want me fired every day at Temple, right? <laughs> yeah, so right. I, I do keep that in mind. I'm a tenured faculty member, though. Yeah, tenure. Uh, yo, hey, that's tenure a big saved deal. my life, man. Yeah. Hey, um, if if they were tenured, I'd say they should be protected. Right. I don't have to agree with you how you move in the world. I don't have to like it. I don't have to agree with your worldview. But we need zones of free speech, and we need to be protected. You know, and I don't want all undesirable speech out of the public sphere. I don't right. think that does us any good. And the professor from Columbia, I think all the women, I think they stepped down. They stepped down. I don't think that they were pushed no, out. No, they I stepped mean, down. From they, pressure, right. but they made the decision right. exactly. to step down. And they yeah. stepped down because they, they were part-time employees yeah. and they were on renewable contracts. Right. I think it's okay to say that if I hire you to teach legal ethics right. or to teach any legal course that has, as, as a under, undergirding it, legal ethics, Yeah. And you are one of the most publicly egregious instances of dishonesty, yeah, right, and racism and all these other things, allegedly. Um, that I don't want you teaching my students. That. Yeah, I don't right. think that's unreasonable. What do you make of the fact that n- that it seems that nobody associated with the prosecution of these kids has changed their mind, even with DNA evidence? Even the police officers, none of them, detectives, yeah. they all them. still 100 percent believe that these children and the city of New York did rape. this whole study after. You know, saying that that kind of, you know, confirmed, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, with the with the jury I mean, the decided. guy was a serial rapist who never, ever, ever committed a crime with anyone else. So they're saying that this one time right. he decided that when he was going to finally have partners in these it's crimes, ridiculous. because he then subsequently also raped and murdered a woman by himself. Yeah. After, so that this one after, after the Central Park after when yeah. they let him go. Right. And so the fact they're, they're the Linda Fairstein and uh, Lisa Federer to this day believe that this one time he decided I'm going to get partners. Five children. Right. I'm gonna bring them right. along. Five disparate children. One time. Right. Yeah. So, so Fairstein more recently has said, to some extent, if I understood her quote right, she did that, say that they maybe didn't do. They it. didn't do this, but they were doing other illegal stuff. In so the they park. should go to prison for six to yes. thirteen years. She actually said, "Well, maybe yeah. you know, maybe they didn't do this, but they were wilding in, you know, wilding right. Robbing in the, people, you know, and other people got people. hurt, so that they deserve to spend they, thirteen yes. years in right. prison." Basically, that was basically. Well, it's it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's it's, it's frustrating. And I think to answer your question, the the reason is when you get faced with new evidence that completely changes your worldview, you either have to accept the new evidence, I mean, everything I said was wrong, or you have to reject it. But so much of her life beyond that point, was her success was based on those convictions, her book deals, her success, Law and Order, you know, being, you know, uh, with a special victims unit set up based on, you know, that case and her career. Can you imagine? So she had People have been watching that show all, it's one of those things that it does remind me of Donald Trump in the sense that there were things that happened in the 80s and 90s that affected everything that's happened since that people just don't remember. Like, I 
I remember the Central Park Five, and that's why I never liked Donald Trump. But I was here, and I was around that age. Right. But I was if in you Philly. I wouldn't here, know that. Yeah. People wouldn't yeah. know that. Most people that I know, almost I every black here. person I know, watched The Apprentice. Yeah. yeah. And I and never and I really never explained why I didn't like want to watch it. Yeah. But then most people just thought of Donald Trump as a fun, lovable billionaire. But right. it's amazing how many people until this series. Um, even after they were exonerated, believed that they were they guilty, it. that they yeah. did it. I mean, I talked to some people, people at work. Do. Some people still do. But some people, mm-hmm. once they saw uh, and, and oh, saw I the report, the, saw yeah. the documentary and how it all played out, were like, wow, I never knew it happened that way. Yeah. I mean, Ava did something very powerful. Let me ask you something because you're a college professor. Um, so I have to ask you, in the times of Me Too, Time's Up, have you changed the way that you interact with women? And I ask this because... Keanu Reeves made news, the actor, oh, yeah. a couple of weeks ago for uh, when he they found all these photographs of him taking pictures with women. You know how you pose with women, you yeah. kind of hug or, or, you know, you hug people. He has his hands open. And I wonder if the way that you interact with women just as a man yeah. and not not romantically, but just as a professor. Oh, both, but it's both yeah. at this point. And, and, and Has it changed? You? Yes. But I think it's, it's important for me to, as a man to note that the way I've changed is not because I believe that Me Too is like some witch hunt that's forcing me to, right. to, to be unnecessarily cautious, right? Yeah. It's not like that. Um, it's made me more mindful of how our behavior can be interpreted by people who have less power, yeah. by people who have been socialized to not say no or to not articulate the lack of consent. Um, and so it's just made me more self-critical and reflective. Yeah. So on the personal side, yeah, I, I ask a lot more questions. And that yeah. might make, you know, the night not go the way you want it to or the day to go as <laughs> right. as, as, as smoothly as like, effortly. Are you sure, sure? <laughs> no, I had that. I had Can that. you sign this consent form? Right. No, I'm about to start <laughs> having. In triplicate. right. I'm going to need a copy for me. I'm going to need yeah. a copy here. for my lawyer. <laughs> right. Look. You can keep the third copy. Right. But, I, but, but, it's, but in some ways, it's made me reflective of the times when, not in my own relationships necessarily, but I've, I've had women and friends tell, women yeah. friends tell me that there are times where they didn't say no, but they didn't a- actively consent. And sometimes there may even be misunderstandings about what happened, right. but it's because there was no affirmative consent. Right. So there's that. And then on the professional side, there are just conversations that sometimes we have that make people uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. There are um, exchanges that we have. There's touches that we have. And as somebody who operates in the public, we have very we have a lot of interactions in a day. There's a lot of touching that happens. Yeah. There's a lot, and so when I take pictures of people now, I'm like this. I have my arms folded in <laughs> yeah. front, like like you know, visible. Yeah. Well, you know, this brings us to, and this is not a segue. Please don't at me. Let's talk about Joe Biden. Ah. <laughs> How did we go back to politics? That's, I just want to ask you because we got him. Speaking sure. of touching people, <laughs> listen. I didn't say that. I, I did. <laughs> this is audio, so let me just say that that last comment was made by Mark Lamont and Hill. only Mark Lamont. Hill. That's only Mark Lamont. I'm just saying though. I did. He's like I, I thought they wanted an Eskimo kiss. I thought I've known both of y'all a long time. Yeah. And I gave y'all a hug when I came in. Right, yeah. right. You know, but at no point would I consider right. Eskimo kissing. You put my <laughs> right. Or no, at no <laughs> point <laughs> would you. If, right. if, if like, we were sitting hug. down when you came in, would you come behind us I, and right. grab us and smell put our your hair and smell our hair? <laughs> I wouldn't. If I had a girlfriend at this moment, I wouldn't walk behind her and smell. Especially black I, Black woman might punch I, you. You might get an elbow right. in your face. Depending on what stage the hair is in and what's going on. <laughs> For real. It's like, don't touch don't, my don't hair. Do this. Don't touch 
My, yeah, no. So yeah. it's weird. I know what do you yeah. make of not even just that, but right. he's now in a little bit of the news because he did say that he worked with prominent segregationists. He mentioned <laughs> James Eastland, who's one of the most notorious segregationists. By the way, he was a Democrat. He mentioned two Democrats. It's an interesting thing because he's not really talking about bipartisanship because he was talking about segregationist Southern Democrats right. that he said that he was friendly with. He did, you know, so he's taking a lot of heat for that now. He's demanded oh, Cory Booker apologize to him. Yo, that is the whitest of white things I've seen. And the caucasity that it requires <laughs> to tell caucasity. somebody who complains about your <laughs> racism, you owe me an apology. Right. Right. Yo, yeah. that's a man. Like, What do you make of him being so popular with black folk? I mean, he does have a solid 42, it's 43%. It's the Obama connection. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a couple. Obama connection. I think it's name recognition yeah. in a crowded field. People are like, look, I don't know all these people, but I know, I know him. Right. Um, I think it's the Obama connection. Oh, if Obama like him, I like him. He's good for me, yeah. right? That's, that's, that's a third that's, term. That's easy. And because we allowed him to be yeah. Uncle Joe for so long, yeah. you know, the last eight years. Because it wasn't like he was popular in 80. Jesse Jackson beat him in 88. Jesse yeah. Jackson won more state time. He, he bombed in, uh, in, in 2000. He did. He bombed. It's not like he's had he's, he's been like the, the, the heir apparent or the, or the second runner. He, no. Joe Biden's not been that guy until Obama put his hand on him. Right. Um. So I think there's that. Um. But Joe Biden is charming to an extent, yeah. you know, and people love that that straight talk until they don't. And I think that um, Joe Biden is so. Com- One more thing, Joe Biden also is problematic politically. That that's the other part of this. It's not like he's just slipping up and saying the wrong thing. He's not Howard Deaning it right now. No. You know, like when Howard Dean said in two thousand, you know, I want pickup truck driving Confederate flag waving people to vote for me. He was talking about getting poor white people to, to vote their interests right in that race to not close race ranks around whiteness. That's different. Joe Biden is saying, look, I'm these y'all billionaires. Yo, life ain't going to change. Oh, you know, I can be in the room, not with Democrats or Republicans, as you said. I can be in the room with white supremacists and non-white supremacists. I can get us to come together. That's right. There's no common ground on white supremacy. And so Joe Biden consistently shows that at some level he is far more to the center. I'm not going to call him. He's not right wing. I don't want to be hyperbolic here, but he's far more to the center than so many of the other uh, candidates running right now. And the more he talks, the more obvious that becomes. The problem is we're so terrified of another Trump term, which I get. Yeah. That we like. Look, but you know, I, it's going to happen. It, I'm sorry. You know I'm not what? convinced. It, I'm, I, it depends. It I mean, it, it, by the way, it's very hard on seating incumbents. I don't need want to be it prepared. to happen, but yeah. it's be just prepared. like nothing can take this man down. But I do and, and I, say whatever he wants whatever to say. It seems that way. Yeah. And every day, whatever he said yesterday is forgotten yeah. because yeah. of what he said today. And right. what does, just remember, right. I don't know if you agree with this, but there is a certain closing ranks, as you said, where certain people can close ranks with one another easier than they can with us. And what I mean that is mm. to say is that Democrats seem to be much more interested in finding common ground with white Trump voters mm-hmm. than in closing ranks around black Obama voters because black Obama voters are seen as already in the bag. Yeah, just like black voters in Florida right. are in the bag for Hillary, right? They're supposed to be, right? <laughs> and that's not necessarily... And what that's I worry about with Biden... Even though black, black voters are the ones that want to see Trump impeached. That's right. But nobody's no one's moving listening. in that direction. Because what, 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 right, because what they matters vote for granted. is yeah. what white... Midwestern voters want not and even that's even in the Democratic Party. I mean, I think what black people need to wake up and realize the Democratic Party. Yes, that is the the black people's most black people's party. But at the end of the day, they are very, very much interested in what matters to white Trump voters. Without they really a doubt. care about that. Without a doubt. But I I think that with that being true, I'm not sure that those voters want Joe Biden in reality. Right. And I think by the end of the summer, if Joe keeps talking. 
Yeah. And, and, and the country moves in a certain direction and Elizabeth Warren keeps unveiling actual progressive policies. I think you're going to, and Bernie Sanders keeps talking, I don't think Bernie's going to get the nomination, but I think at some point there's going to be a stark contrast between who Joe Biden is mm-hmm. and who the most progressive side, uh, what, the most, what the most progressive side of the Democratic Party looks yeah. like. And I think at that moment, if I, I, I'm not a Democrat, I'm Green Party, but... Um, oh, we got to talk. You Green Party? I, 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 I did you vote for Jill Stein? Oh, have, come on, <clears throat> man. Get out of my studio. Come okay, on, Okay, Mark Hill is fired. You did yeah. not vote for Jill Stein. We, we'll, we can talk about that. But, no, but, no, no, no. Talk about but, it but, but let me finish this, this, this okay. Democrat part. But this it, is like another Tupac part. But this if, is part two. But if, but if my burner phone is ordered. <laughs> oh, believe me, I didn't got. When you get like an angry Twitter account that just comes at you daily, yeah. it's me. Understood. Okay. Understood. Okay. I, <laughs> I um, I still think that you know Elizabeth Warren is the best option for Democrats, and if I were voting, um, today, and again, I have significant problems with Elizabeth Warren, particularly on foreign policy. I think she's a hawk like everybody else. Bernie's probably the most progressive in the Middle East. And in the continent of Africa, I think they're all kind of terrible, right? Um, and on Cuba, on Cuba, I think we can be. There's a little more room for complexity, only because Obama's opened the door. Um, but ultimately, I think Elizabeth Warren is the best option. I think Bernie could be an option. Um, I think, other than that, I'm not. I don't. I don't love anybody else in that pool. Um, and I think over the summer, you may begin to see Joe Biden lose that traction. And I think, like Obama in in, in Iowa in 08, I think once people see that this person can real and can win. That's right. I, you may see the voters start to migrate. What are we going to yeah. see BET do as far as coverage? I know you're going to be a part of it moving into this 2020. Yeah. So we're we're we we just hosted the economic forum with uh, Mayor Pete, uh, Elizabeth Warren, um, and two other. So many of them now, Cory Booker and one other person. Um, of course, Cory Booker came on uh, Black Coffee last week, uh, and I, we we have all the candidates lined up at some point uh, mm-hmm. over the summer. Uh, but we're going to be part of the election coverage. We're going to have election specials. We're going to host another forum uh, for the candidates. Mm-hmm. We are going to also be uh, on the ground in, 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 the major, in the major states. I mean, I think one of the challenges has been, uh, given our audience, when Obama's not president, yep. you know, like we, our numbers did great for State of the Union when yeah, he's president. Of but when he's not, we don't watch it. Right. Yeah. And, and if we do, we want to, you know, don't nobody love white people more than black people. So if some news happens, <laughs> they're like, oh, even if we run a ticker oh on BET, they're like, oh, let me see. Let's watch MSNBC. Let's watch CNN and see what they're talking about. Because it, it, it's a pool feed. Let me say something. Yeah, it's a pool feed. It's a pool you feed. Anyway. It's the same camera. It's the same right. camera. White man camera clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, also there, there's the expectation for, for BET not to cover politics right. exactly. in that way on a regular basis. And they basis. haven't been consistent. And we haven't so been. It, yeah. but, but it's... it's, it's it, Encouraging to hear that they yes. do. Plan We're gearing to go up. Here's hoping David Wilson way. and David Wilson, my 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 friend. Uh, if anybody can get BT together and get them to be serious on news and politics, David. Can He's do committed. It. Scott Mills is committed. We're gonna make it happen. Make and it I, happen. And I, and, I, and I think you're gonna see a lot more from BT. This on is the front. potential that I've always dreamed of for BT. You know, and I've you know I've been open about being disappointed with BT for many years. I was a, I used to watch Jackie Reed's yeah, bro- uh, broadcast faithfully because I wanted to get the ratings. Back we, when we I thought to, ratings we, we, were automatic. We, we grew up watching her. <laughs> Right. I know exactly. Cousins. When they both come at oh you, exactly. <laughs> and oh they God. seem to be cousins. I'm about to say they, they, they <laughs> account names look alike. <laughs> look alike, right, right, right. Mark Lamont Hill, thank you. Thank you My so pleasure. much. Great to have you here. You got to come back. Absolutely. Oh, real quick, people should. Watch Black Coffee every day, Monday, yes. Friday. Yes. What time? It comes on 10 a.m. live. Okay. But, you know, like all digital stuff. You just watch it whenever you want. Just watch it when you want. But the, the, like. the, you can watch it when you get up. When, when you, you can. Get up. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter live every day. But also, go to YouTube and subscribe. Go to the Black Coffee page and subscribe. Those subscriptions matter. Uh, that's important. That's, that's super important. important. Get those digitals. Yep. Absolutely. So, on, on Facebook and Twitter, not on IG? 
Um, it, we're, we're not live. We're, we don't run the whole show on IG. We run clips on IG. Got you. We run clips, but the whole thing runs live on Twitter at ten. Live on Facebook at ten. What's your Twitter? It's just Black Coffee. Just Black Coffee. You got? Oh, you bought oh, the Twitter? Oh no, I'm sorry. No, our Twitter. Uh, for, we don't have a. We just run through the BET page. Okay, the BET. Page. But on, but on YouTube, just go, go to BET page. You can watch it live. Okay. Everywhere, watch it live. Excellent. But go to YouTube and subscribe to the Black Coffee channel. Please do. And I you can get all it. the clips, all our extra stuff. Absolutely. All the, we have something called the refill. Which yes. is like extra clips and interviews. So watch all coffee. of it. I love it. And what's yeah. the bookstore again? Uncle Bobby's Coffee and Books. And if you want to support a black bookstore and keep us alive and keep me alive and keep me, yes. you know, well fed and stuff. Can I do a book signing there for my book? I promise Please? you. Can, of course. You can do whatever you what's want. The Thank you. What's the website? Go to unclebobbies.com. That's B O B B I E S. Who's Uncle Bobby? Yes. That's my dad's brother. I love that. Oh, yeah, for, we love that. Yeah, first, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations on all your success. Thank You've you. literally done it all. Yes. <laughs> so congratulations really and hello, tenure. Yes, Thank right. you. Jesus. You, Thank you, you. You've officially done it all now that you sat in the read this, read that. Oh, yeah, you can oh, retire. I, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I've done, done it all. You got. You didn't get a pimp cup, but you did get some alcohol. Yo, I, I, next time I come, do I get a pimp cup? Yeah, well, we'll work on it. We'll Depends on, on your thoughts you on need, Tupac. You all right. Need to it really does depend <laughs> on I might change. I might change. I might rap Dear Mama if I get a pimp cup. If you get that uh, thug like tat, done. You're good. Done. <laughs> okay, thank you, Michael. Cheers. Thank you. Well, thank you all for listening. Yes, that does it for Read This, Read That. Tell your friends to subscribe. subscribe. Follow us on Twitter, IG, and Facebook at Read This, Read That. Leave off the extra tea for savings Baby. on Twitter. Bye. Bye.